Welcome to the Judge John Hodgman Podcast. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. This week, Hubble Jeopardy. Catherine files suit against her friend Jerome. Jerome commissioned Catherine to paint large-scale panels inspired by the Hubble telescope photos. She did, and he's thrilled, except for one thing. She didn't sign her work. She says that's not her thing, but even still, Jerome thinks she should sign the panels. Who's right, who's wrong? Only one can decide. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman enters the courtroom and presents an obscure cultural reference. A straight line can be readily drawn among each of the two series of points corresponding to the maxima and minima, thus showing that there is a simple relation between the brightness of the Cepheid variables and their periods. Catherine and Jerome, please rise and raise your right hands. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God or whatever? Whatever. We do. Do you swear to abide by Judge John Hodgman's ruling, despite the fact that he's a rocket man, and I think it's going to be a long, long time? Yes, we do. Yes. Judge Hodgman, you may proceed. Catherine and Jerome, you may be seated. For an immediate summary judgment in one of yours favors, could one of you please, or both of you, perhaps name? The piece of obscure culture that I referenced as I entered the courtroom. Uh, Catherine, why don't you guess first? Um, I'm going to guess uh, Star Trek, the original series, the Mirror Mirror episode, and Evil Spock says it. Ooh, that is a solid guess. A straight Thank you. line can be readily drawn among each of the two series of points corresponding to the maximum and minima. The Mirror Mirror episode from the original series TOS of Star Trek. I'm putting into the guest book, Jerome. John, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt here, but um, I think it's a bad guess uh, because. <laughs> How because, dare. John, John, yeah. Spock, Spock is a good guy. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, Jesse, but when he has a goatee, he's, he's all evil all no, the he time. Right. He has pointy ears. You're thinking of a different character. <laughs> Go ahead, John. Uh, I'm sorry, Catherine, you don't, uh, you may not know this, but I think it's been how long, Jesse, that you've had a beard and a mustache? Oh, six years, uh, seven years? I, yeah, seven years, let's say. That's when evil Jesse came in. We're, we're dealing with your <laughs> universe, Jesse. <laughs> I don't know what, I don't know what you did with my, with my lovely, uh, bald faced, bald headed, pure baby-faced man-child friend that I used to know. But guess what? In in 2014 or 15 or so, I grew a beard too. So it's, we're both beer universe. Yeah, we're evil. Watch out, punk rock guys on buses. That's right. We're going to give you a death grip. That's right. And we know that Jennifer Marmer is mirror universe Jennifer Marmer because she's wearing a golden sash and she's carrying a cutlass. But Joel Mann here at WERU in Maine, well, you've always rocked that goatee, right? That's right. Okay. Joel Mann is chaotic neutral. That's right. Joel Mann is Uatu the Watcher. He is not paying attention to, he's not a moral arbiter of this universe. He just sits behind the glass. Anyway, Jerome, what was your guess? My guess is uh, Euclid the Elements. Euclid the Elements. Jesse, is that a rapper? No, that's the, uh, that's the third baseman from Moneyball. Got it. Kevin Euclid. All guesses are wrong. I am... Sorry to say, uh, I was hoping that one of you could say, well, I guess you're probably uh, quoting Edwin Hubble, for whom the Hubble telescope is named. And then I could say, no, you're wrong again. (laughs) Double wrong on you, because the person I was actually quoting was Henrietta Swan-Levitt. Now, Henrietta Swan-Levitt was an astronomer. She lived from 1868 to 1921. She died uh, young at the age of 53. Uh, She was a graduate of Radcliffe. She eventually became a person without hearing. She was a non-hearing astronomer for much of her career, which was spent at the Harvard College Observatory, where she worked as a, quote, computer, which was the, the name that men scientists gave to women scientists before they would admit they were scientists. They were computers of data, specifically tasked with examining photographic plates and measuring and cataloging the brightness of stars. She prepared a study in 1912 that I quoted from. That study was called The Periods of 25 Variable Stars in the Small Magellanic Cloud, 
which everyone now knows as the PO25 mixtape, in which she outlined the period luminosity relationship of Seafeed stars. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Don't send me letters. C-E-P-H-E-I-D, maybe Cepheid. The point is, these stars pulse in temperature and light, and the constant relationship between their period and their luminosity would become known as Levitt's Law and would allow astronomers to, for once and finally, be able to calculate not only galactic distances, but intergalactic distances, which they couldn't do before then because they only had tape measures. Levitt's Law allowed astronomers to establish that the universe is much larger than we thought, also established we're not at the center of it, and also would be used by Edwin Hubble to demonstrate that the universe is expanding, it's getting bigger. That was Edwin Hubble's big discovery that got his name on a telescope, even though his discovery was based on a piece of research done by Henrietta Swan Levitt, who died in Cambridge, Massachusetts, our fair city, at the age of 53, and she only got an asteroid out of it, uh, asteroid 5383 Levitt, and a hole in the moon called Crater Levitt on the dark side of the moon. She also got a telescope somewhere else. So there you go. History lesson for you astronomy buffs. Wow. Good for them. Yeah. Very good. good. For them. Don't put down the dark side of the moon, John. That's the cool side of the moon, literally and figuratively. Mm -hmm. <sighs> I don't have a Pink Floyd joke for you. Do you have one for me? Okay. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of comfortably numb over here. <laughs> We're all just bricks in the wall. Oh, boy, Joel. Yeah. Joel brought it home. Yeah. Watu, you're just supposed to be watching. You can't affect this reality. Anyway, <laughs> let's hear this case. Catherine. Hi. You come to this court seeking justice. What is the justice that you seek? Oh, um, Jerome wants me to sign, uh, sign these humongous drops that I've painted. And, and I just don't want to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not, I don't want to do it. You've created art for, for Jerome's home? I did. Uh, Jerome has this amazing... What I like to call the Jerome. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it's actually an outbuilding. Uh, it's like separate from the home. Uh, it's its own special realm. That's a poop um, shack. It's a poop shack. Sure. <laughs> you drew, you drew a starscape for Jerome's poop shack out back? I did. Composting toilet? Mm -hmm. Please do not insult the Jerome, John. The Jerome is known the world over for its Jer Majesty. <laughs> and you don't want to sign your art because you would prefer to go down in relative anonymity, much like Henry and the Swan Levitt. Well, yes, truly, honestly, yes. Um, because I have a theater background, and uh, I've learned sort of, I've learned to do work in service of a greater good. Usually in theater, it's a service of the show. And I feel yes. like this was exactly in the service of Jerome's vision. It wasn't really my personal artwork. Also, they're huge. They're like theater drops. Right. Nine, nine foot by 12 foot canvases that right. um, like you wouldn't make a drop for a, a theater show and put your name on it. Like you would just do it. I completely understand away. where you're coming like, from. Yeah, you would just yeah. moonwalk out of there knowing that you did a great job. I completely understand where you're coming from, Catherine. Jesse Thorne, you know, I I have not spent a lot of time treading the boards of live theater, but I certainly have done my fair share of my imitation acting on screen, and I've spent some time in the entertainment world, and I can confirm with Catherine it is a completely egoless pursuit. The one thing that matters the least when putting on any kind of show is no one gets credit. No yeah. one no one gets credit at all whatsoever. That's no one cares as long as the show goes on. No one cares where they appear in the credits. We're all just a face in the crowd, John. Uh, another brick in the wall. That's why one goes into the entertainment industry. That's right. <laughs> Become faceless. Catherine, do you have a you have a background in theater and you refer to these things as drops and just for those of our listeners who are not down with the theater lingo, a drop would be what? Um, I call them a drop because they're made from drop cloths, like painters' drop cloths, um, mm -hmm. and they're, so they're soft. They're not stretched on a canvas. And Jerome has sort of hung them in his place. Some of them kind of drape or mounted. They're all mounted. 
They're all Let's be respectful. Okay. Of your art. <laughs> Jerome, okay. may I may I congratulate you in this astronomy adjacent conversation for taking that beautiful Carl Sagan cadence and uh, bringing some <laughs> of that Sagan uh, energy to the yeah. You let the record show that I can see Jerome visibly on the teleconference using his hands to literally bring down the energy. They're mounted. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if listeners at home could see Jerome's enormous necktie right now, they would know how Carl Sagan he is. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a virtual necktie. Well, yeah. Jerome, I would call it a cravat myself. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Who has the theater background now? <laughs> you have menswear, the menswear-y. The, should we talk about the footprints? So Jerome also I has... I don't uh, know. I seem to recall that uh, that I'm the judge and I lead the conversation. <laughs> oh. But I'll allow it. Let's talk about the footprint, whatever that may be. I can see I'm going to have no control over this situation. <laughs> there, uh, Jerome, do you want to talk about it? Yeah, we haven't heard from you, Jerome. Well, there are three footprints in one of the panels. I call them panels rather than drops. To me, it's more respectful. And um, uh, on one of the panels, there are three footprints. Two, uh, I say footprints, they're shoe prints. And two are in black and one is in white. They're kind of toward the center of the piece. And uh, one of the things, along with asking that Catherine sign each of the panels, I wanted her to correct that one panel to remove the, the shoe prints, the three shoe prints. These are shoe prints. Wait a minute. I thought that these were images of galactic majesty inspired by photographs of the vast universe as captured by the Hubble telescope. Catherine, are you saying you caught footprints in these photographs? Have you proved the existence of interstellar travelers? They are space footprints. Um, yeah, truly. I, I, I work on them on the ground. Um, I paint with a, a paintbrush on a stick oh, or, okay. and spray paint. <laughs> I lay them all out and, um, walk all over the canvas. And oh, I see. So my, a few of my special little size eight <laughs> shoe prints made it on to the uh, nebula. So I um, happen to just leave them there because I'm used to a very forgiving medium. Uh, in theater, things are seen from very far away and a shoe print is it just disappears and these i thought are actual, these are going to be actual actual shoe prints i stepped in the paint and then i stepped Got on it. the nebula yep. and <laughs> i just missed it I'm, you know <laughs> the classic problem <laughs> i missed it i didn't uh, fix it when okay. i did it so jerome is not merely is not merely seeking that you sign your work but is also seeking damages for stepping all over your own work my argument is that the shoe prints are my signature, and that's where I would like to leave it. Well, I wish you would have left for me to come up to that uh, in my verdict, because that is exactly what I was going to order. <laughs> but I think we have more to hear from Jerome, because my, my position may change. Let's take a quick recess. We'll be back in just a moment on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. You're listening to Judge John Hodgman. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. Of course, the Judge John Hodgman podcast always brought to you by you, the members of MaximumFun.org. Thanks to everybody who's gone to MaximumFun.org slash join. And you can join them by going to MaximumFun.org slash join. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Babbel. Okay, it's 2020, 2024, 2020, 2024. Oh, if hindsight were 2020, I I don't know what I would have done differently. All I know is that I'm taking every day in this year and trying to get better a little bit every day. That's what you do. That's the way progress is made, step by step, day by day, bird by bird. And that's the way it is when you're learning anything, especially a new language with Babbel. 
And if Babbel can help you start speaking language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in the rest of this whole year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars to private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts, real human beings, to help you start speaking a new language in as little as one, two, three weeks. Studies from Michigan State University, Yale University, and others continue to prove that Babbel is better. And that's not just the Yale football team putting their thumb on the scale because they love learning Indonesian from Babbel. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Take that, Yale, I guess. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but this is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash Hodgman. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Aura. A-U-R-A. It's a simple but meaningful gift that you can give your mom or your dad or your step-grandparent or your uncle or your friend or anyone that you want to keep connected in your life who might not live near you. It's a digital picture frame from Aura. It's perfect for sharing pics of all the things that those friends can't be there for, from family vacations to grandkids' graduation to whatever. I have one of these, and I got one for my dad, and I got one for my mother-in-law, and it's amazing. We look at the photos all day long, and we're able to easily update their Aura frames so they see all the latest pictures from our lives as well. It comes with unlimited storage, simple controls on the frame. You can upload as many photos as you want, and your mom or your dad or your stepdad or your stepmom or your friend or whatever can pick the perfect one. And it takes only about two minutes to set up. Seriously. See why it was named the number one digital frame by Wirecutter, uh, The Strategist, and Wired Magazine. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code Hodgman. That's A-U-R-A frames.com, promo code Hodgman. Terms and conditions apply. Jerome, you commissioned these uh, these panels, these drops, these paintings of the heavens. Right. Which we're going to take a look at. I believe we have evidence and and folks can go over to the Judge John Hodgman page uh, at MaximumFun.org and to our Instagram at Judge John Hodgman to see the evidence. But before we look at the images, let's talk about what your desire was for them and and uh, and the meaning behind the commission. Well, um, I have this metal building. It's 18 feet wide, 30 feet long. And wow, the, you need all the, of that just to take an outdoors poop? Hey, let's not get personal. <laughs> Joel, what's that, about 540 square feet? Exactly. 540 is my number for it. And the, the, the peak of the roof is 12 foot high. So it's kind Thank of you. one cathedral ceiling um, building that I insulated myself and have it set up as my TARDIS, not a physical TARDIS, but a TARDIS of the mind. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and that's that was, flying, flying thick that's and fast my idea right now. <laughs> with, with these, these panels, the Hubble telescope picture inspired galaxies, nebula, um, and um, it's when I walk in and when I have guests in, it's to take you to to new dimensions in mental space and mm -hmm. um, multi dimensions. Got it. I'm gonna let's just hold on Tardis of the Mind for a second because I'm getting a very different mental picture when. <laughs> When Catherine described this as an outbuilding, obviously, I my my mind immediately went to the toilet, specifically the outdoor <laughs> composting toilet. This is a major structure that you have. It is not a shed. It is a it is a meow wolf style experience. It sounds like. Yes, and, and John, just just to be clear, your head is still in the toilet. My head is way back, like five minutes ago, in the mall food court with a paintbrush on a stick. <laughs> 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 
Well, let's take a look at the evidence in this TARDIS of the mind. Uh, once again, all the evidence will be available on our Judge John Hodgman Instagram account and our show page at MaximumFun.org. Exhibit A, Jerome's Exhibit A. This is my entry door to my TARDIS. So what, what I'm seeing here is a, a door that is painted black. Thank you, by the way. I was tired of that red one. And it is surrounded by... <laughs> It is surrounded by a corona of painted light. Well, it it is a, you know, the opening of Doctor Who, each episode is the spiraling space yes. that draws you in. That's that's what I was capturing oh, I see. with okay. that entrance. Okay, so then you open this door. Wait, and you hold enter. on, John. You're leaving out. You're leaving out a key piece about this door, which is it appears to have been textured with uh, with that kind of expanding foam insulation that comes out of a spray can. Well, okay, yes, good point. It is, and and then that foam is then covered with an exterior caulk and then painted on top of that. Yeah. So he also caulked it up. And is this your work or Catherine's work? This is my work, my okay. cock. What planet are you on? Are you on Earth with us? I come and go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what enough. region? What region of Earth do you do you live on currently? And where? And 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 what? If this is indeed in our dimension, what region of Earth is this? Uh, is this uh, TARDIS of the mind dimensionally situated? New Albany, Indiana. New Albany, Indiana. Okay. One of the great remaining gems of small town America. What do you mean? Well, population 36,000. And it's gorgeous. It's beautiful. It's Oh, it's I'm I'm know, sorry. I, I executed heard, I heard, so I heard gym as in G-Y-M. I didn't hear gem. I apologize. I was like, I thought there was some special YMCA there. I apologize. You know, <laughs> well, they do have a great YMCA, but oh, okay. Well, then let's leave it in. Not shout out, shout out to the New Albany Y. <laughs> All right, this is this is John, one of those small towns in America that I learned about from American Pickers, where everyone just has unlimited outbuildings. Just I guess so many so. outbuildings. Yeah. And Jerome and Catherine, just to be clear, you you are friends, correct? Yes, we we met at a meditation group. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, what kind of meditation did you do, David Lynch style, transcendental with cigarettes? It's a Zen Zen meditation group. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> we sit for an hour, and then we chant, and then we read a koan. Lovely. And do you, are you also a resident of New Albany, uh, Indiana, the gem of Indiana? Jerome and I live about 15 minutes apart, but we live in different states. I, I'm right across oh. the river in Louisville, Kentucky. Got it. Why, why, make it, why make it simple? You obviously inhabit multiple planes of existence. I get it. Sometimes mm -hmm. you're in Kentucky. Sometimes you're in Indiana. It's impossible to tell. <laughs> Exhibit B. I quote, in the backyard leading to the TARDIS, is it, we're not even in the TARDIS yet, Jerome? No, we're still getting there. We're getting how there. Many, how many exhibits are, C, exhibit C, D, E, F, G, H, I, We brought a lot of evidence. J, K, L, M, and M, M, exhibit M alone has five photos in it. It's an audio yes. podcast. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. All right. I'm going to ask every, everyone to pause the podcast for a moment and um, do whatever you need to do to open your third eye so that as I can describe these things to you, you can travel with me into the world of, the, of Jerome and the many universes that are contained within his outbuilding. I'm going to do my best to get through as much of this as I can. All right. Did you all pause? Are you ready now? Is your third eye opened? Joel Mann, third eye open? Open. Good. Joel, you are going to represent the listener to me because I know you can't see what I'm seeing. Got it. In the backyard leading to the TARDIS is a driftwood sculpture with a, a colony of frolics. 
the Frolics share a common ancestor with Daleks. They're villains from Doctor Who, Joel. Who? Right. The Frolics, however, are generous, fun-loving, free-spirited, not like the Daleks at all. And these are, and did you make these? Are these all your work, these little driftwood? These are all my work, yes. And the Frolics are your own invention, right? Oh, well, I I would say I discovered them. Right. (laughs) I look forward to hearing you mount that defense when the BBC sues you out of existence. Jerome Exhibit C... (laughs) This is the man cave on your right as you step in. The front divider panel is the first thing you see as you walk into the TARDIS. Here is a room full of beautiful galactic imagery on the walls, as well as quite a few fairy lights and uh, also a wood stove uh, and a a nice uh, flat panel TV and some armchairs. Uh, Is this your work, Catherine, these um, these starry uh, starry nights? Yes, 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 it is. Beautiful. Thank you. Really lovely. I oh, honestly you. did not imagine we would get to something relevant to our case as soon as Exhibit C. <laughs> <laughs> I am grateful for that. Uh, this is the one you may want to look at, Joel, when you're going to judge Sean Hodgman on Instagram, Exhibit C. Okay. These are the paintings of the stars that Catherine made. Catherine, did you freehand these or free foot these? Or did you, are these based on actual Hubble photographs? I did. Uh, Jerome let me borrow a book of Hubble images. And so each one kind of has a source image. But um, m- mostly I uh, t- almost like tie-dyed, like dipped the fabric first and sort of used the shape that emerged. It was um, pretty uh, give and take emotionally with uh seeing so inspired what, what, by what presented. inspired by it, it was yes mm-hmm. as opposed to a, as opposed to a one-to-one imitation sure yeah that's what art is good for you mm-hmm. it's beautiful thank you jerome let you borrow this book of hubble hubble telescope photographs yes i got it i got paint all over it <laughs> oh <laughs> I'm really sorry. interesting no, no. yeah i oh, don't but, mind those shoe prints <laughs> Be- oh, because you own, because oh, be- this is a book that you own, Jerome. Is yes. that right? I see. So you believe in ownership of material things? Oh yeah. Huh. Funny. Interesting. Not very zen. Whatever. Uh, exhibit D. Uh, you step into the TARDIS. To your left is the art corner um, with the following <laughs> elements. <laughs> oh, well, on that point, I just would invite you to go to any Zen center. And at the end of the sitting, try and walk out with one of the cushions. See how non-possessive they are. You mean I can get a I can get a free cushion if I want out of this place? If if you can run fast enough, yes. I just, John, before before we get into what's depicted here in Exhibit D, I just want to clarify for the at-home listener uh, who's not looking at the notes here. That with the exception of art corner, all the proper nouns you're about to hear have their first letters capitalized. These are all official titles. They're not just descriptions. No, they're areas of the TARDIS. Yeah, they're official titles. They could be commemorated with a plaque for all we know. As you step into the TARDIS, the first the first installation you see is, is capital C, Confronting Art Challenge. <laughs> the confronting art challenge. <laughs> Next on Survivor. Let me just set the stage here for for everyone who's listening. To the left is the Tunnel of Lights, capital T, capital L, together with various bolo ties. I think we're going to get to those later. <laughs> to the right yeah. is the quote, capital L, literal sacrifice sculpture <laughs> and the sculpture of pots, along with various bolo ties. And then launching off in the art corner <laughs> is the vacuum of space bot. There's a lot to take in here, Jerome. And by the way, <laughs> what is the what does the space bot have against bolo ties? That's what I want to know. <laughs> well, the vacuum of space bot started out as three defunct vacuum cleaners and got ah. transformed into a bot. Isn't it a rocket ship? Well, it's launching itself into space. Now, let me give credit where credit is due here, Jerome, because this is an amazing physical space that you have created. This is all your work, correct, Jerome? Correct. Yeah. 
And it is a it is a multimedia found object collage full of light and color and bolo ties that is very, very difficult to explain with words. It is not, shall I say, grokkable, simply using linear language, especially since you described four photos here and you provided only three. That, I believe, is called the, con- <laughs> the, the challenge of confronting art. Mm-hmm. Well, I think if you scroll down a little, you'll see the bot. Uh, oh, believe me, I'm scrolling, Jerome. I am scrolling. <laughs> I, wa- I want to say here that while these installations have ridiculous names and a homemade quality to them, they really are pretty remarkable. Like, they're really something to see. Obviously, we're in challenging times when it comes to being together in shared spaces and breathing on each other. But in better times in past, and we hope future, is this a place that you would share with members of the New Albany community? Or is this just a place for yourself to unwind, uh, reconnect, and, and, and visit the stars? Well, it's also for, you know, people in my immediate circle. So, like, uh, people from my online book club and people from uh, my Zen meditation group and people from my men's group have joined me in this. But I'm not thinking in terms of opening it to the general public, no. Well, I think I assume that after my death, it will be one of those, uh, we don't know what we found, (laughs) but you've got to come see this kind of things. Which is an incredible... You know, honestly, as someone who ponders death quite a bit myself, that's not, I never thought about a legacy as inspiring as that. It's just a truly confounding thing you leave behind for for future generations to ponder and worry about. I think it's a, be- I think it's a beautiful space, Jerome. I think it's fantastic. Jerome, have you ever seen the throne of the third heaven of the nation's Millennium General Assembly? at uh, the Smithsonian in Washington, D.C.? No, I've only seen it when it's in recess in my own mind. (laughs) (laughs) I think you just got got, Jesse. (laughs) I think in terms of of the legacy, I'm thinking of this kind of as a Stonehenge of the mind. Right. my art corner. I mentioned the throne of the third heaven of the nation's Millennium General Assembly because it is this amazing installation. I mean, it is a throne made of silver and gold tinfoil that this man named James Hampton built in, I think it's a two-car garage in Washington, D.C., secretly over the course of like 15 years in the 50s and 60s that was only found upon his death. Um, and was then moved to the Smithsonian. It's just one of the most breathtaking things I've ever seen in my life. And your space, uh, you know, it, it's a little bit of that and maybe a little bit Pee Wee's Playhouse. <laughs> but y- yes, you're right. It's that kind of outsider assembly art that inspires me. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I sense a little Gary Panter in there as well, Jesse Thorne. See, I know some things about art. Who are uh-huh. your who are your inspirations, Jerome? Well, I don't know particular names, just looking through books of outsider yeah. art. And your own mind. Oh uh, well, let's never leave that. <laughs> no, I agree. Let's never leave Jerome's mind. I am ready to live in Jerome's mind forever and ever. I think Jerome pretty much only leaves Jerome's mind to maybe cop a few new bolos. (laughs) Yeah, let's talk about Exhibit H, Jerome. I'm skipping ahead a bit. Starting in the, and and I quote, starting in the art corner and spilling out into the workspace area are my 280 bolo ties. My plan is for these to eventually be transmogrified into wall bolos, parentheses, a brand new category I will be pioneering, in parentheses, okay. Uh, before we <laughs> yeah. move into wall bolos, congratulations. 280 bolo ties is a lot. I think that's slightly more bolo ties than I had in my wardrobe in 1988, and I had quite a few. Yeah, that's what they call a Lyle Lovett of bolo ties. <laughs> <laughs> 
and uh, <laughs> and you have um, these beautiful bolo ties, some of which also seem to be constructed by you, perhaps. True. Oh, they're all constructed by me. Oh wow! Okay, they're gorgeous. I, I I brought them to some art fairs, having them in mind to sell these, but. Everyone who came and liked them also said, well, if you caught me in the 70s, <laughs> I, I might buy it. But no one, I don't wear bolo ties anymore. No one I know. Yeah. My parents don't. And so that's my idea for wall bolos to turn these into something that someone who liked the look could mount on a wall rather than wearing. Sure. Well, look, they're absolutely lovely, Jerome. And I'll tell you what, if this were 1988, I definitely <laughs> would buy a wall full of bolo ties. But they're too yeah. special to buy. I think they look good arranged here in your TARDIS. They're very yeah, special. Yeah, we're going to have to wait till you die and transfer them to the Smithsonian. <laughs> yeah, I think that might be the case, yes. I mean, what are, what are some of the materials you're using I'm looking at this array here in Exhibit H, because Exhibit I is uh, is spillover bolo ties that work that go into the workspace. So I don't think we need a ex separate exhibit moment for that. Well, the materials are um, stones, uh, usually as the base, some kind of flat stone, and then a more colorful rounded stone. Um, a stone made out of beads, and then wire work. Um, and the the um, weights at the end of the cords I made out of um, copper or aluminum pipe that I, you know, shaped uh, and decorated. Gorgeous. Yeah. If, the, if our listener is imagining a more traditional bolo tie, like think of them as being a kind of the aesthetic is closer to like a, a, a late 80s, 1990 uh, postmodern jewelry kind of thing. Although I'm I'm sure I, I say that only for uh, for the convenience of our listeners to imagine them, not not to describe uh, what is in our litigants mind. I think that's <laughs> indescribable. <laughs> I mean, you know, did you really want to sell these or or no? I, I did want to sell them, but that was just on my side. Um, the world was not ready or willing to buy them. Mm -hmm. Okay. You're still open to some offers. I am, sure. All right. No, if just... Lyle Lovett rolled through right now, what would it take to take these bolo ties home? One and all. I want two prices. One price for just one and a price for all of them. Lyle Lovett's here. He's got all that Lovett money. He he could have them all about? for $5,000. $5,000. That's a very fair price. <laughs> that strikes me as very fair. Ooh. And there are 280 of them? 280. Can you do that math, anybody? <laughs> I mean, you know, What's $15, that per $20. Bolo? $15, $20? And that's a bargain for Lovett. What about this one with the blue in the lower right-hand corner, this blue semi-precious gemstone or whatever it is. What kind of stone is that? So this is polished, bright blue stone? It, it is polished. Yeah, it's polished. And I I think that might be um, a lapis lazuli yeah. polished. Yeah. And, you know, if they're going individually, I'd say more like um, uh, that would be like $80. What? Okay. All right. Yeah. Joel, Joel, man, Joel, man, I just sent a picture of this one to you. I was thinking about getting it for you as a gift, but now it's 80 bucks. It's money that I could be donating to WERU.org. Wow. That's nice. Yeah. Well, all right. you know, Beautiful. if you get the whole package, it's more like $20 a piece. You're right. The bargain really here is buying $5,000 worth of bolo ties. <laughs> uh, hey. <laughs> Look, yes. Jerome, I'm I'm not an American picker. I'm not one of these guys who's going to roll into town and try to take you for a ride and all the stuff you have in your outbuilding, get it for cheap because I'm going to resell it at my antique store or whatever. So I'll, dudes can hang it in their man cave. 
<laughs> next to their oil and gas collectibles. Put a circle around that lapis lazuli one. I'm thinking about it as a gift for Joel Mann here in Maine. Would you do? Would you do seventy five dollars? I'm going to stick with eighty. It's eighty. <laughs> wow. All right. You know what? I'll think it over. You know, and- John doesn't have love it money. <laughs> All right. Yeah, but he's only going for one. Okay. Uh, I think I think I've got a lot to think about. I think I'm almost ready to go into my Tardist and make my verdict. But let's try to try to land this uh, time and uh, and relative dimensions and space vehicle back on Earth for a moment and get back to the case. Jerome, Catherine has said she does not feel like she wants to sign her work. She feels that her footprints on the stars is essentially her mark upon the universe that is contained within your outbuilding. You do not accept this. Why is it important to you that she sign her beautiful work? Well, she only came up with the idea that the shoe print would be her signature after I asked her to correct the shoe prints and also asked her to sign each panel. This is only one panel and this the, the shoe prints are kind of in the middle, not on a corner. And you don't like the shoe prints. You want her to fix them, right? Well, I would like it fixed. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, if she had from the outset said, the way I'm going to sign these panels is with a shoe print in each corner, you know, on one corner of each of the panels, I would have gone with that, but that's not how it went. This was something she thought of only after I said, correct the shoe prints. Mm -hmm. And as far as that being an okay signature, you know what I go to, I go to the bank, I'm going to deposit a check in my account and they say, well, you need to sign the back. And I say, hold on, take off one of my shoes, ink it up and stamp the back. They're not going to accept that. I don't know. That feels like a pretty Jerome thing to do, honestly. Yeah, but the bank wouldn't go for it. This is what (laughs) I'm saying. And, you know, it's one thing. She doesn't sign her theater art. I understand that. But this is a private commission I made to her for my private space. A couple of quick questions. Did you pay her? Yes. Okay. Uh, you paid her earth money? Regular old earth money? Yes, earth earth money. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'll leave it to her to say how much if she no, wants. No, it's, it's, not, it's not important. I hope you didn't pay her in bolo ties. <laughs> uh, she wouldn't go for that. Maybe. I know. <laughs> I Those things are worth 80 bucks a piece. I know. That's she as good as cash. I know. I know. She wouldn't go for it. Take those to the bank. They'll cash them right away. Hottest new cryptocurrency around. Jerome's bolo ties. <laughs> Bring your bolos down to the Bureau de Change. Can I ask a question? Yeah, sure. To Jerome, do you sign your work? Um, my bigger work, yes. My The frolics are signed, yes. Is the vacuum of Spacebot signed? Um, no, but if... Someone wanted to buy it from me, I would sign it. How much are you charging for the vacuum of Spacebot? Oh, that is um, 350 That's nothing. That's nothing to Lyle Lovett. This guy passes out three. He's got that old country money. <laughs> All right. Do you want her to sign it because she's your friend and you want her to acknowledge her participation in this huge art project you have going on? Or do you want to sign it because you think it might be valuable someday and you might, some American picker might come through and be like, sorry, I don't know the provenance of this uh, Hubble, Hubble painting. I'm, I'm, I can only give you $7 for it. But if it were signed, Catherine, it'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll take this for $5,000. What's going on here? Well, I want them signed because she is my friend. She's a wonderful artist. And these are wonderful pieces of art. They're not a theater set. Mm-hmm. They are pieces of art I commissioned, she executed. Got it. Okay. I think I've heard everything I need to in order to make my decision. I'm going to go into my personal favorite TARDIS control room, the wood paneled one that Tom Baker, the fourth doctor, traveled around in for a while. Uh, and I will mull on this for a moment, and then I will come back to your reality and render my decision. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman exits the courtroom. 
Jerome, how are you feeling about your chances in this case? Oh, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. <laughs> yeah, well, now yeah, you got that love it dough. You're not sweating it, it anymore. It's clear in my mind how it's going to go. Uh, <laughs> Jerome, let's say Love It walks up to you right now. He wants to buy those panels. What are you charging him for them? Oh, they're not going. That's that's yeah. not a sell item. Yeah. Those <laughs> he can talk to my estate once I'm gone. <laughs> Catherine made the oh my oh my dear heart gesture as he said that. <laughs> Catherine, how are you feeling about your chances? Uh, I think um that I'm definitely going to win this case. I mean, of course, that nobody can make me do anything. I don't want it to. I'm the artist. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even, honestly, I don't even sign. I'm not even that great about signing my personal work. Like, uh, I just don't, I don't know. But I guess if if, if it's ordered that I, I have to, then I certainly will. But, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, I don't. I don't know that there are going to be any collectors out there that are going to be searching for my super valuable work. It's not my aspiration to be that guy, anyway. Well, this we'll see what happens when Jerome dies and they find that garage. You know, once oh, yeah. it's headed to the Smithsonian, anything goes. Sure, I'm honestly just proud to be a collaborator in this in this amazing work of art that Jerome did. Really. Catherine, if it weren't such a wonderful opportunity for sophistry and an opportunity for you to claim that it's your signature, would you repair the footprints? I would, um, if forced, but I would. (laughs) You've seen the space. Do you really think anybody's going to be looking at a shoe print in there? Honestly, oh, well. (laughs) Jerome is pointing to himself. It's it's, it's bothering Jerome. If, if he really wants me to fix it, I will, but um, only if the judge orders it. Jerome, what are you watching on this television in here anyway? You're just hanging out watching well, This Is Us or know, whatever? I have a, a, a set of Rodgers and Hammerstein musicals. I have, you yeah. know... Um, uh, the um, Worcester and Jeeves uh, BBC yeah. series. Those are really good. Do you, you know, find that the quality of the guest actors on that really varies wildly? Like sometimes you'll be like, this person's fantastic. And sometimes you're like, that's supposed to be an American accent? No, I don't notice that. Oh, okay. That's that's kind of how I'm, I feel. I'm I mean, just obviously, always focused on Worcester and Jeeves. That's uh, it. They're, that's they're my, perfect. No that's complaints my world. There. They're perfect, as good as it gets. Well, we'll see what Judge John Hodgman has to say about all this when we come back in just a moment on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman re-enters the courtroom and presents his verdict. Look, I've been a Whovian for a long time. I love Doctor Who. Anybody who references the TARDIS is going to be a friend of mine. 
It's very, very rare that I have encountered a Time Lord. Don't think I've met many of them. And by Time Lord, I mean I'm talking about a Gallifrey and a time-traveling agent of chaos that slips slips between dimensions and disrupts everybody's sense of what is real and what is not real, much like all of the various Doctors Who. But I'm gonna. I'm feeling like I know that you are a, you are a, a human of Earth, Jerome. I know that you're not a space traveling, time traveling alien. I know this building is is an outbuilding in New Albany, Indiana, and it is not a portal through time and space. Despite the beautiful, uh, uh, the beautiful and evocative portraits of space that Catherine has provided for you, but there is something very destabilizing about talking to you because just listening to you say. <laughs> I just thought to myself when Jesse, when I heard Jesse ask you, what, what do you watch on TV? And you're like, Rogers and Hammerstein musicals. Oh, and Wooster and Jeeves. I'm just like, everything that Jerome <laughs> says is a complete 180 degree surprise that automatically just becomes the most unsurprising thing about him. Like, it's just like, <laughs> oh, right. Of course. Like what? Oh yeah, of course. Of course. This guy makes driftwood, driftwood alternate universe Daleks that are fun and signs them even though they're not his IP and also <laughs> his rock and musicals he's always a, he is a he is a, a, a zen uh, meditator uh, who who nonetheless put, puts a tremendous amount of material value on these bolo ties <laughs> and and unlike my very 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 you know I won't even say ninth grade, like seventh and a half grade understanding of both uh, large and small vehicles and Buddhism. There's a lot of rigidity in, in in Jerome's point of view regarding these tapestries, these drops, these paintings that Catherine made. They are interpretations of the cosmos that now bear not the fingerprints, but the footprints of their creator this is what religions are based on. Total inconsequential mistakes in the landscape that we ascribe special meaning to, the special uh, authorship of some unknown creator. Those footprints are the best signature you could ever have. And I remain angry at you, Catherine, for stealing that from me, stealing that idea from me, even though you obviously <laughs> had it before I did. Long before I could ever reach this verdict. That is the idea that this is something that Catherine needs to repair in the painting that she made for you. I mean, uh, you live in a TARDIS, dude. Can you go with the flow a little bit? <laughs> Just let bend like a reed in the wind for a second here? You are creating an installation of wild, beautiful chaos. And you're like looking at the footprints of your friend going, she needs to come in here and fix it. And by the way, why don't you sign your darn artwork in case I need to sell it someday. Catherine is right. I can't make her do that. She's the artist. Tough. You don't buy a signature when you buy it. When you commission artwork, you buy the artwork. And she has signed it in her own way. And let the record of this podcast show any future American pickers that this is a certificate of authenticity. I have photos that I am looking at right now of Catherine not only painting these drop cloths, but stepping all over them. I'm sure a forensic photography expert could probably match these footprints to the ones that are on Jerome's wall. And while I am not an expert in the field of cosmic drop cloths, we here at the Roadshow say these are absolutely authentic. And don't let anyone take them off you, Jerome, for anything less than their appraised value of $5,000, roughly the value of 280 bolo ties. <laughs> now, before I go, what if we do the lapis lazuli bolo tie, and there's one to its left that kind of looks like a tiger's eye bolo tie? What if we do the pair of them for 150 bucks? Would you do that for me? 160 no, you're not giving me anything here. You have to understand. I'm looking That's at my not how profit negotiating margin. works. You want it yeah. eighty for eighty for one, 
five thousand for two, for two hundred and eighty, eighty dollars for one. You wouldn't take you wouldn't take seventy five for one. I'm offering you, I'm offering you hundred and fifty five for the both. That's five dollars off. Okay. For me. Okay. We right. we have a deal with that. Okay. Fantastic. Yeah. Guess what, Joel? I'm getting a bowl. You're tie. getting a bolo tie, and guess what, Lyle? Love it. Lyle, love it. If you're listening, you're getting a bolo tie. You came to my event in if Austin. If you're listening, yeah, he came to my. Given event. that you're listening, one of the sweet. Have you have you interviewed uh, Lyle Lovett on on Bullseye, Jesse Thorne? No, I'd love to interview Lyle Lovett, and we wouldn't just talk about bolo. A lot of people think that if Lyle Lovett came on my NPR show Bullseye, we'd just talk bolos, but we'd probably talk about music and stuff too. Lyle Lovett, as as you may know from from my book uh, Medallion Status: True Stories from Secret Rooms, is the human locus of one of the most intense cosmic coincidences I've ever experienced. And I am sending him that bolo tie. I'm sending you a bolo tie. You get a bolo tie. You get a bolo tie. No one else gets a bolo tie. This is the sound of a gavel. Exterminate. Judge John Hodgman rules that is all. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman exits the courtroom. Jerome, you leave this case... Uh, a poorer but richer man. How are you feeling? <laughs> um, yeah, kind of poorly. <laughs> <laughs> wow, somebody really stole some cushions from your Zen Center, huh? <laughs> they did, man. They came in and they left footprints and and just got off with the goods. <laughs> Catherine, how are you feeling? Uh, I'm ecstatic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love Jerome so much. Um, I'm um, happy to be right, though, in this case. <laughs> you know what it's. You know what it says in the uh, throne of the third heaven of the nation's millennium general assembly. It's this huge, spectacular tableau, an altar surrounded by, um, uh, sur- surrounded by kind of tables and things like that. And in 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 big letters, it says, "Fear not." I think you guys have created a space that is similar in its awesomeness. And by that, I mean its ability to create awe. So congratulations to both of you. It's, a, it's an amazing thing that you, the two of you have created as artistic collaborators. May I echo that as well? And then just very quickly, a, a, a quick question for Jerome before we go. Joe Bird and the Field Hippies are ultimate spinach? Only in E minor. Thanks, Jerome. I got to go take a walk. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> I got to go. Just finish the rest without me, Jesse. Do swift justice without me. I'm Catherine, walking around the radio station for a while. Catherine, uh, Jerome, uh, have fun on your journey through the many dimensions. And thanks for joining us on the Judge Sean Hodgman podcast. Another Judge John Hodgman case in the books. In just a second, we'll dispense some swift justice. First, our thanks to Elise O'Neill for naming this week's episode Hubble Jeopardy. You can name a future episode like Judge John Hodgman on Facebook. We put out calls for submissions there. You can follow us on Twitter at Jesse Thorne and at Hodgman. Hashtag your Judge John Hodgman tweets. Hashtag JJHO. And check out the Maximum Fun subreddit to discuss this episode. We're on Instagram at Judge John Hodgman. Make sure to follow us there for evidence and other fun stuff. Our engineer in Maine is Joel Mann, program and operations manager at WERU Community Radio in Orland, Maine. You can listen to WERU at WERU.org. Joel is also on Instagram. His handle is the main man, M-A-I-N-E-M-A-N-N. This week's episode also recorded by Catherine's husband, Joel. This episode edited by Valerie Moffat, and our producer is Jennifer Marmer. Now let's get to Swift Justice, where we answer your small disputes with a quick judgment. Benjamin asks, my partner calls the remote control the machine. I contend. It's not a machine. What say you, Judge Hodgman? <sighs> Only an E minor. <laughs> <laughs> that-
That's it for this week's episode. Submit your cases at MaximumFun.org slash JJHO or email Hodgman at MaximumFun.org. That's serious business, folks. We need your cases. MaximumFun.org slash JJHO or email Hodgman at MaximumFun.org. Put your phone number in there so uh, Jen can give you a call if we if we want to talk to you about your case. Uh, tell us uh, if you've got home recording equipment of any kind, a mic on your computer, that kind of thing. Uh, no case is too small. Clearly. Clearly, obviously, no cases too small. Obviously. Yeah. We'll see you next time on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.